This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike Trout is coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville, now part of the Athletic Baseball Show, where you'll find great baseball talk all week long and all season long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for the Athletic. And the bad news is Doug Glanville has the week off. Doug, we miss you. But the good news is I'm joined by another one of my favorite people, the awesome voice of the Cubs on the Marquee Sports Network, Jim Deshays. Jim, welcome back to Starkville. Great to be with you, Jason. I feel honored to be pinch hitting for the great Doug Land. <laughs> is this your first career pinch hitting appearance, by the way? No, it is not. <laughs> That's another story altogether. <laughs> oh, we might have you tell that story. Just give me a minute. <laughs> I can't remember how I roped you into this, but I'm greatly appreciative of you and I. have known each other a long time, had a lot of fun swapping tails and Look, this is a great time of year. We got all-star teams named. We got trade rumors starting to surface. We've had some some wild swings in the standings. We've seen some of the craziest games of the year. Um, We have the manager of the Cleveland Guardians, Terry Francona, on the show. So, Jim, don't you feel like you're living the dream, just entering the Starkville city limits? You know, I've never been to Starkville, Mississippi, and I'm not sure that I've been to Starkville podcast before. Have I done this before? Yes, I don't you remember. have. I don't yes, think no. We you, had you, Casper, and I had you on we, our podcast. That was just revenge for us having you and Lynn oh, okay. on ours. That's right. That's right. We did. The, the <laughs> pandemic was that unforgettable. Fuzzy. The pandemic <laughs> makes everything fuzzy. But yes, of course, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm honored to be here. What else well, am I going to do? <laughs> Well, I'm sure we can think of stuff, but, um, you know, here's the thing. We don't get to visit with Jim Deshays nearly enough. So before we welcome in Terry Francona, I've got some important questions I need to ask you. I'm eager. You ready? You are. Yes. Okay. First off, we had the all-star teams named on Sunday and all everybody wants to talk about is the snubs. So here's the first question. Were you ever... An all-star snub. Um, I don't think I ever rose to the level of snubbed snubbiness. <laughs> I think there were a couple of years where I was, you know, under consideration. I had a couple, you know, really good first halves at some point along the way. And I heard like through the grapevine after the team had been named that I was close and maybe even <laughs> oh so close one time. Uh, but in the final analysis, when you looked at the people who made the team, um, no, I can't argue that I was ever snubbed. Probably the biggest snub I ever got was failing to make the Pee Wee travel team uh, in hockey when I was like nine years old. I and I certainly, wow. yeah. Well, was what, was that, what happened there? I, I don't know. I, I think it was politics. I think it was uh, 
you know, the coaches, you know, knew somebody who knew a kid. And so that kind of pushed me away from hockey into hoops. So, so snubbiness was running rampant there in upstate yeah. New York. Yeah, it was. But yeah, but as far as, as, far as the All Star, uh, yeah, like close a couple times. But you no, know, that's that would have been fun, right? That would have been a, a good deal to yeah. do at least one time. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah. Because well, here's the thing, right? So Pat Hughes, the great Pat Hughes, the play by play man on uh, Cubs radio. Every day he introduces Ron Coomer, his partner, as former All Star Ron Coomer, because Coomer right. had an All Star team with the Twins. Now. Every now and then when Boog is my partner, you know, Boog Shambi, you know, Boog, everybody knows and loves Boog. When Boog leaves, Pat will slide over and do TV with us. And I can tell he's like, and I'm joined with former major league pitcher. You know, there's no, there's no all-star. There's no former gold glove winner or Cy Young award winner. Just, just pitcher. Wow. That's heartbreaking. I feel, well, I feel like I'm letting him down. <laughs> I think you I'm have. good. I'm fine with it. I've, I've, <laughs> you know, that was, my career ended 30 plus years ago, so I'm good with it. Okay. Well, all right. Here's another one. Um, it's trade rumor season. Um, before I ask you about your own human trade rumor history, I should ask you about Wilson Contreras. Um, sure. What, what If you're going to pick a team in the who trades for Wilson Contreras sweepstakes, what team would you pick? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I don't know that I can identify a single team, but obviously, you know, teams that are in contention, they need help behind the plate. The Mets jump out at me. Uh, and, you know, Steve Cohen has been in go for it mode since he took over the ownership of the Mets. So I don't think he would shy away from making a deal if there's a good match with the Cubs. And we're on the premise, assuming here that Contreras does get dealt and, you know, it, it looks like he will, but there's, you know, there's no guarantee that that will happen. Uh, so I think the Cubs are, they're in a position of strength here because Contreras probably the most impactful position player that's out there right now um, with the year he's having. And the fact that he's, you know, a solid big league catcher and a really good offensive player and he can DH and, you know, he can even go out and play the field if you needed him to. So the Mets kind of, um, you know, come to mind that maybe the Padres, the giants, I tell you the team that could really use a catcher is the St. Louis Cardinals with Molina down with that knee. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there's yeah. and Kisner is hitting a buck 80 or whatever it is Would the Cubs trade Contreras to the St. Louis Cardinals Would the Cardinals give up <laughs> prime <laughs> prospects to the Chicago <laughs> Cubs. We'd be talking no. Lou Brock stuff here, right? Or, no. or, or uh, Bruce Suter, you know? No. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's I, probably not going to happen. I, um, all right. I think, I think you just picked the Mets. We're going to say that you went with the Mets because uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to go Padres just because it feels feels like they trade for a catcher every year at the deadline. Seems like it. So anyway, uh, let's get back to you. You never did get traded at the deadline. You did get traded after the deadline in 1993, the year of the great uh, Giants-Braves race. You went to the Giants. So were there a bunch of rumors at that deadline that you were sweating out? No. Um, I think – I don't know that there was uh, maybe, you know, this is obviously pre social media and there, there wasn't as many people tracking it. Um, and I don't, you know, and I, I'm sure there were players that were involved at the trade deadline that year. And then, you know, after the waiver period passed um, bigger names that probably got a lot of attention, but um, no, there wasn't a lot of rumors circulating around me. And I was too dumb to kind of read the tea leaves to think I might. I just I just went to the ballpark every day and did my thing. Um, the interesting thing about that trade is I had I could have vetoed it. 
Um, not that you, I had any 10 and five. No. And I wasn't 10 and five. I was, I was like, and this maybe speaks to, <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole Deshaies vibe at the time. Andy McPhail was uh, the general manager of the twins and I got traded to the giants. Uh, we were here in Chicago. That's where I am now. And he called me to his hotel room and he was like, well, we've got this trade with the giants. They need help down the stretch. And, you know, we're going to acquire this guy and that guy, but I don't really have to do it. So if you want to go be part of this playoff race with the Giants, um, we'll do the deal. If you don't, you stay here and you finish the season with us. So, and my wife happened to be in town. We talked about it. And there's always a certain amount of pressure on a player to accept that deal because you're thought of it's less worthy if you don't go to the contending team because you've, I want to win, right? Um, but in hindsight, I wish I hadn't done it. Um, I would have loved to finish the season out in Minnesota. I actually resigned with the Twins the following year. Um, but yeah, that was my trade story. And he said, I got this deal, but I don't have to do it. But if you want to go, I said, all right, I'll go. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't usually work that way in my yeah, experience. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's ha, have a nice flight. You're on the, you're on a plane in, at least in 45 minutes. Yeah. It's like reverse tampering. You know, we can trade you, but we don't have to. <laughs> well, I was I was actually following the Giants around at the time, so it was good to see you. I remember that. Yeah, um, we had fun. Yeah. Uh, all right, another thing. Uh, s- this past Sunday, Albert Pujols tied Stan Musial for the third most extra base hits in history. And I, I bet that sounds impressive, but I am doing a show right now with a man who holds the most unbreakable extra base hits record ever set. Jim, tell the people what your claim to fame is there. Well, Jason, as you know, I uh, hold the record for the most at-bats in a major league career without a single extra base hit. And if you think about all the players in the long history of this game that have extra base hits, there's a lot. But how many have none? Only one. We're talking to them. Yeah. When, when you when you filter for 378 at bats or whatever whatever all right just for the record 373, 373. career at bats most at bats in history without an extra base hit so what would you say was the closest you ever came to somehow getting an extra base hit oh, right at the beginning of my career uh, if i recall my very first hit now remember i'm a left-handed hitter uh, my very first hit was off joe price left-handed pitcher for the red. So my platoon splits, probably a reverse split guy. If you think about it, <laughs> I hit uh, a wobbly little ground ball down the third baseline that trickled into left field. And I'm just hauling butt down the first baseline at, in, 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 in the way I, only way I could. Um, and so I, you know, had I even thought to look or made a turn, maybe I could have made it to second base. But I was like halfway to the right field corner, you know, by the time I turned around and came back. And then I think my next hit was pretty much right down the third baseline as well. And so, you know, the, the scouting report was out that this guy's never going to pull a major league fastball. And sooner or later, the third baseman was tight to the line. The left field, one time in New York, I swear to God, George Foster was straddling the left field line at, at Shea Stadium. But with every swing, I would foul one off over the dugout. And and then, you know, George would take another step and another step. And the dugout, you know, Davey Johnson would be waving at him, go, go. And George was like as close to the third baseline as you could be, or the left field line as you could be. So that my only shot at a double was going to be down the left field line. But 
they kind of sniffed that out and started defending it. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you mentioned this because I went to your baseball reference page to just look up how many at bats you had. And th- there on the page, I don't know if you ever looked at this, is your quote unquote advanced hitting stats. I've never seen these before. <laughs> okay. So I, I found this after going down that rabbit hole. What would you guess was your career pull percentage? In other words, what percent of balls that you put in play I, do you I, think was pulled? Well, well, first of all, I, I didn't know they even measured that um, in the advanced hitting metrics. Uh, I'm going to say zero uh, because I know one of the highlights of my career was in a hitting career anyway, was in a spring training game. I hit a ground ball to the second baseman off Ramon Martinez. And I thought that looked pretty legit. I was like, in my world, I was turning on it. And, uh, you know, it's probably a little too hopper or whatever. And I, I, I felt, you know, I've kind of, they threw me out and I ran back to the dugout with a certain amount of pride. Like that looks legit. That looks like something a real hitter might do. A, a spring training four three was the yeah. highlight of your uh, yes. offensive yeah. career. Yeah, in, in all likelihood. Wow. Well, you want the, you want to know the answer to this? Yes, I'm curious. Did I pull uh, one in the regular season? It was. It was. Look, it was larger than zero. It was single digits. Nine percent. Nine point five percent. I pulled the ball. No. Now some of the some of the seasons are incomplete, so it could it could wow. be lower. But there. There were some balls that you pulled. Maybe it might might have something to do with the definition. Yeah, I, like they this, don't count. They don't count bunts, do they? <laughs> they probably do. I'd I'd have to go into that. Maybe a ground um, ball to the pitcher. Well, here's another one. What would you guess was your career line, line drive percentage? So the percentage of balls you put in play that were considered line drives. I remember lining out the left field once. I think Joel Youngblood was a left fielder. For the Reds. And this particular year, I ended up having nine hits. I had a pretty good year. I had a bet with Mike Scott that year as to who would get the most hits. And it was like maybe my last start of the year, one of my last starts. And I hit hit the ball pretty, pretty hard. Uh, But I lined out. I think it was Joel Youngblood in left field. Um, And that, that, that one, I remember, hey, that, that felt pretty good off the bat. But beyond that one, a real line drive. No, I can't recall. So were you thinking it's one out of 343? (laughs) <laughs> probably <laughs> there's some strikeouts in there too. So. Yeah. Uh, no, there might've was... been, there might've been a couple line drives to the third baseman. Yeah. I had, I... There you go. Yeah. So, so once again, it was single digits. It was greater than zero. It was right on the nose. 9%. So 9%. Nine was, was kind of your magic number. Yeah. You had the, I, the uh, little inside out thing going yeah. on. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was my power over the third base <laughs> dugout. That was my power stroke. Well, can't beat that. <laughs> it's good, for, good for those fans. And the, back, back in the well, except, for, except for that, one, except for that one lady at the end of the dugout in Candlestick Park that wasn't oh, paying attention. That didn't go well. It did not go well. To, you know, you know the thing when people yell heads up and you're supposed to duck and you turn to face the danger. <laughs> she turned as the ball was in, hit her right in the nose. And oh, oh my! Blew her up. Yeah, yeah. What did you do for her? I, I felt really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that at least. Yeah. Uh, all right. Bad for her. I didn't, I didn't send flowers or anything. I probably should okay. have. We, we, better, we better move on from this topic. Um, 
here's probably the most important question I could ask you. Next to your record for hitting zero extra base hits, what do you think is the next most unbreakable record in baseball? Uh, I would say anything that has to do with pitching complete games, right? <laughs> Starters, you know, no hitters, complete games. Uh, no, no, even even <laughs> aside from the Haas, Radborn, Pud Galvins, when they, you know, completed 63 games in a season. Um, even if you look in the modern era and you go back to the 60s and 70s, uh, the way pitching is, is, you know, the way pitching is handled now, um, those records will never be broken. Um, Nolan's strikeout record will never be broken. Um, complete game records, no hitter records. You know, it's just not going to happen. Um, right. And, and a, a guy spent how many years in baseball? Did Me? You spend? Yeah. Uh, 40-ish? <laughs> no, I mean as a player. <laughs> oh, as a player? <laughs> yeah. Parts of 12. All right. So 12 years without an extra base hit. That's that's about as unbreakable as it, that's not as gonna, it gets. Yeah, that's, and so, right. Oh. So now we have the universal DH. It's officially not breakable. Are you grateful for the universal DH? So your record is unbreakable or is the sport making a big mistake here? And uh, you and I agree on this point, unless you've changed your opinion. <laughs> uh, the sport is making a big mistake on this because we like the oddities that come with pitcher hitting. We like a guy that never gets an extra base hit. We like Bartolo Colon hitting a home run. We like all the trivia associated with weird <laughs> things that happen with pitchers hitting. Um, and we love the the pitchers that can hit. We love to honor, uh, you know, Mike Hampton, the improvements John Lester made as a Cubs, uh, as a hitter. It was really fun to watch. Um, but that, that all goes away now. Uh, it all goes away except for one guy. And uh, Shohei Otani, no. He had a game last week where he struck out 10 hitters on the mound, drove in two as a hitter, and he stole a base. Uh, that had never been done. But I got me to thinking, what do you think was your greatest resemblance to Otani? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kelly Leak, um, right, the kid with the bad news bears. Um, yeah. There was... Um, there was a, in little league, there was a guy named Randy Spud Frederick. who was a really good two-way player in my hometown. Spud was, he was about as close to Otani as I've ever seen. Uh, and then Babe Ruth, those would be the three comps for me. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the pitching and slugging of Ruth, um, Kelly Leak, legend and Spud Frederick for the Alcoa Braves, um, who is such a good athlete. He even, he went to the finals of the punt, pass and kick. That's how good Spud was. But yeah, what this guy is doing is there are no comps, right? I mean, no. And and if, I'm, I'm thinking of the guys I've watched over the years, um, like Carlos Zambrano, really good hitting pitcher, and he would pinch hit and um, would hit home not, runs. But you know, so Tony's guy is playing every day. He's <laughs> DHing and he's one of the better hitters in the game, better sluggers in the game. So yeah, there is no. But Ruth, Ruth is the only one. <laughs> So wait, it you compare to Ruth or he compares to Ruth? Just let's just for the record. Otani compares to Ruth. Did I misunderstand <laughs> you don't think the question? You compared to him that much? <laughs> I, 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 I don't even remember the question anymore. <laughs> were, we, were we trying to find a comp for Otani or for me? <laughs> I, who the heck cares? <laughs> there, there are no comps for me in the game now because the pitchers can't hit. Uh, right, you're, you're definitely officially one of a kind, and we're all grateful. For that, and and you and I could do this all day long, but we have a special guest today, and guess what? He just got back from the dentist. 
Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB Show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So, Jim, uh, what do you say we welcome in a very special visitor to Starkville? He's the manager of the Cleveland Guardians. And I know he wants me to also mention he's my former neighbor and fellow volleyball dad, <laughs> Terry Francona. Terry, thanks for running straight from the dentist chair to Starkville. How's your mouth? It's, it's, I'm half numb on one side, Jay. And actually, when you made that introduction, I was looking around. I'm like, who's he introducing? It can't be me. When you said <laughs> special guest. Um, but you know what? I've probably been alleged to have been numb in other areas of my head. So it's probably just all in the day. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, it feels like every time we talk to you, man, uh, you're battling some sort of health thing, dental thing. How is your health these days? You know, I would say it's it's just aggravating. That's and, and again, compared to maybe where it's been, certainly not life threatening. I mean, this toe thing was one of the hardest things I've ever had done. And believe me, I've had just about everything done, as you're alluding to. But this toe thing was is is kind of a handful. Um, still kind of limping around sometimes, but but I'm getting through it. And the 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 other stuff I I'm 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 working on it. The I'm really lucky, you know. The last two places I've worked, you know, we had Mass General, and now we have the Cleveland Clinic. In fact, when Mike Segi, our longtime traveling secretary, went over to have surgery a couple weeks ago, I told him, I said, "You tell everybody over there in the in the OR." I said, "Hello." I said, I'll be back soon. I don't want to be four, but I'll be back and say hello to him. <laughs> You've got to be the all-time career leader in managerial surgeries, don't you think? Jay, I, I think, you know, counting the small ones, like things on your fingers, I'm probably over 40, which that's nothing to, that's really nothing to brag about. 
That that's crazy. And just you know, think about what have played more. I didn't play that much. It would have really been bad. <laughs> well, let me ask you this though. You know, I, I I'm just thinking that you're that guy who's always helping people around you deal with stuff. Who helped you through all of this? You know, I I tell people all the time. I think I've set the record in major league baseball for being around good people. And, and I, I, that's the one thing I'll brag about. And I guess there's our coaching staff here, you know, Chris and Cherney, they have, they have been so good. I lean on our coaches way more now than I'm comfortable with, not because they can't do their job, but just because I'm a little slower than I used to be. And that bothers me a lot of times, but they have really picked me up and they're good. So sometimes I just try to stay out of their way. Mm-hmm. Um, one more, then I'll, I'll, I'll we'll let JD in here. But did all the time that you spent away from the game in 2020 and 2021 give you a different perspective on the stuff that you love about the game and you love about managing? You know, I've been asked that a lot, and and I, it would certainly probably be the easy answer to say yes. But I thought I had a pretty good f- feel for it anyway. I mean. I've never wanted to do anything else in life ever, ever. You know, I took a, took a, a realtor class one year after I got out of playing and I went through it for about three weeks. And I remember thinking nobody's going to buy a house from me. So, you know, <laughs> I went into coaching like three days later, buddy bell called me. It was the best thing I ever did. But I think I, I think I had a pretty good perspective, at least on my love for the game. I still haven't figured out, when we lose, it kills me. You know, I mean, and I guess when that goes away, it's probably time to do something else. Where, uh, Tito, along the way, and, and this would be um, a, a curious question to ask former minor league teammates, major league teammates, um, when did you decide you wanted to manage? And if we had pulled some of your minor league teammates, who on this club would be a big league manager someday? Would, would you have been at the top of that list? I, don't, I wouldn't even have made the list. Um, you know, I was a typical young upstart, thought I was going to lead the league in hitting, make a lot of money, retire on my own terms. And, you know, four months into my major league career, I'm one knee surgery into it. And then a year later, I'm another one into it. And I spent the last nine years just hanging on. And I didn't realize at the time, because I was so busy trying to make myself just valuable enough to make a roster. But what ended up happening was I was watching different managers, different organizations, how they did things. And in so many ways, I would think, boy, that was, you know, I really respected it. And every so often I think, man, I don't know if I'd do it like that. Then when when I got, when the Cardinals released me for what I said was the last time, Buddy Bell called me, who had been my roommate with the Reds, and a guy that I got a lot of my baseball philosophy from just because I respected so much how he went about his business. He asked me if I wanted to start coaching. And that was really the first time I thought about it, but it was the best decision I ever made. So coaching then led to the managerial bug. I mean, when you started coaching, was what, what did you think, okay, I'm going to parlay this into a managerial career? Or was this, I'm just glad to be in a uniform going to the ballpark? You know what, Tim? I don't know that, I think times were a little different back then. Um, I, I was a hitting instructor my first year. And then I went to South Bend the next year and started managing and really enjoyed it. Um, Then went to Birmingham. But I don't remember thinking this is what I have to do. 
Um, I remember when Buddy went to Detroit and he took me as his third base coach. And I remember thinking, okay, this is pretty cool. Like I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but I, things happen quickly sometimes. And then I got to Philly shoot, man, I was learning on the run, like, and I knew it. And that's a hard place to be learning on the run. But I just, I just knew I wanted to be in baseball. I didn't have to be a manager. So I'm going to circle back to the dentist. Um, <laughs> and Terry Francona goes to the dentist, having one World Series, managed all these postseason games, been under all this duress. Is it a stressful situation? Yeah. I, I just I think it would be awesome if, if you were just like nervous as hell going into a dentist appointment, given everything else you've experienced in your career. The dentist here, he can tell by my reaction how we're playing. Because there are some times where I'm just he that drill hasn't even hit me yet, and I'm yelling. And, you know, it's just or it. And today was one of those days. But um, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't figured out a way to kind of put the cape on and be Superman. When I can handle, Jason probably heard me say is I can handle surgeries, I can handle things, but I don't like being sick. I don't like going to the dentist. I turn into the biggest baby there ever was. <laughs> Who likes going to the dentist? Do we know anybody who yeah. likes going to the dentist? I'm going tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to it. No, it's, it's not. A, you're right. It's not a fun. It's yeah. Yeah. I, the I, eye doctor's I, great, right? A trip to the eye doctor. That's 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 fun. Dentist, no. As long as you can see the board, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let, let, let's turn to a, something that's way more fun. Uh, Sunday, you had three players named the all-star team. So what's the meaning for a, a guy like you of telling players and telling their teammates that they're all-stars and, and tell us how you told them. We had a team meeting and we started the meeting out by talking to the guys about the all-star break, like what, what's going to be available as far as like ballpark and workouts. And we wanted everybody to let us know where they're going and if they're going to meet us in Chicago, things like that, just kind of, you know, organizational detail things. And then we went into the presentation of the three guys and, we introduce Hosey, which even though everybody knows he's a lock to make it, it's fun to recognize him among his teammates because of what he represents for us. And the guys really enjoyed that. Then we went to Class A, who is a first-time all-star, but I think everybody knew he was going to make it. And then I kind of asked the guys to, to give those two guys a round of applause. And then I said, oh, by the way, we have another one. And it was Andres Jimenez and the place went bananas because he's so young. It's his first one. He's such a good kid. And the place just went bananas. So that was pretty cool. That's great. Uh, so we're referring, referring to Jose Ramirez, Emmanuel Classe, Andres Jimenez. Let me ask you about those guys. Jose Ramirez is amazing. He's one of the best players in the sport. And it feels like people know so little about him. So what don't people know or appreciate about that guy? You know, part of it is, I'm sure, you know, he plays in Cleveland. You know, his, his, he, he's not real comfortable trying to do things in English, which I don't, that's, that's okay. I'm, I'm not real comfortable doing things in Spanish. I mean, I get it. But as far as a baseball player, teammate guy goes, you, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody better. I mean, this kid, his motor never stops running. I think he's the best base runner in baseball. He may not be the fastest, but I do think he's the smartest. He can take an extra 90 feet as good as anybody in the game. He's always in position to kind of see like what could go wrong. And then when it does, 
he's in position to move up. He's not a second too late. And, and, and he's putting up these numbers, you know, with a really inexperienced lineup around him. And, and that's saying something. Yeah. I mean, the, the guardian stat of all time is that your roster's younger than any triple a roster. That's unbelievable. Well, there are some days when it feels like that. Um, <laughs> right. There are other days, though. I mean, it, it you know, with youth comes a lot of enthusiasm, which that's the good part. And as long as they're willing to try to learn and try not to make the same mistake twice, you know, we're trying to be patient. We don't want to beat them over the head. We're just trying to we're trying to compete with some pretty good teams, and we're trying to do it with some young guys that have never done it before. Some days that's easier than others. Yeah. Let me ask you about Class A because. What a freaking arm on this guy. Like that cutter at 100 and that slider is what, 93, 94. They are unhittable pitches. How would you describe the arm and the ugly swings that he induces with those pitches? You know, you're seeing more of those types of swings now that he has commanded that slider. There were times when he was all fastball and and there'd be times where he probably gave up runs where he, where he probably shouldn't have just because he's so nasty. But with that slider now, and you like when he throws it, oh, oh, for a strike, <laughs> and it's like, boy, that guy's in trouble because he has two such different speeds. And it's just, I mean, and he's so resilient. Like when he warms up, they say he takes like seven or eight pitches. And, and he's still really young, even though he's probably one of the veterans in our bullpen. So for him, it's fun to watch the progression from last year to this year where the game doesn't speed up. And we had a game against the Yankees last week where we were trying to let him back in it. And he just slowed it down, took a breath, and got out of it himself. And I don't know if that would have happened last year. Well, he's something to watch. He really is. Uh, And then on Jimenez, I I don't know how your team manages to make so many incredible trades, but you traded away Francisco Lindor the face of your franchise. And now Jimenez, who's one of the guys you got back, is an all-star, but Lindor isn't. Could you have envisioned that when you made the deal? No, but I'll tell you what, Frankie's still a pretty good player. You know, I, I looked up the other day at 60 RBIs. We were just in a position where we needed to do that. And we were we were all kind of aware of it here. So, you know, try to make the best deal you can. I would say, I, I know Jimenez is really young, Ahmed Rosario has been really, really important to what we're doing because we don't have very many veterans. And he plays the game along with Hosey at such a high speed. Like he gets down to first every time he hits the ball, like his pants are on fire. And I can't tell you, I always tell guys, the same guys that'll do that, they're the same guys that are going to back up bases. They're the same guys that are going to be on time. And and so it's been really helpful for us having him having having Rosario too. Now watching Jimenez develop from a kid last year where he was kind of nervous and thought he had to get a hit every game to stay in the lineup and actually went back to Triple A to a kid this year that makes the All Star team and deservedly so. It's been fun to watch the progression. Terry, what was the um, the, the scouting report on Jimenez when you got him? What was the upside? Um, the anticipated I think upside. That, you know, he was so young and he had skipped double A, but he had gone, you know, to the Mets and, and played pretty well in that uh, COVID year. But the COVID year is kind of hard to, you know, how do you translate that into it's, you know, we've all seen some peculiarities there. Um, but I think our scouts thought this kid could be an everyday shortstop. 
I have no doubt that he could do that. With Rosario here right now, he's playing second. In my opinion, he's playing a gold glove caliber second base. Um, you know, does he end up staying there or going to short? He could do either, and he wouldn't skip a beat. You know, recently you reached out to me to ask me to send along your numbers against Nolan Ryan. You batted against that guy 42 times, more than any other pitcher that you faced. So, uh, first off, how did that happen? And second, what did you need those numbers for? Because I know you were up to something. Somebody was asking me a question, <laughs> and I had actually said, I said, I think I faced Nolan more than anybody else. And naturally, <laughs> their first thought is, yeah, you're exaggerating. <laughs> I just knew, like, the year in Cincinnati, me and Buddy Bell and I were roommates. I'd wake up in the morning, and I'd say, I'm going to play today. He goes, we haven't played in a month. I said, no one's pitching. Somebody will not play today. And I'll be darned. I'd go in there, and there it was. Um, it's just some right-hand hitters had a tendency of taking that day off for some strange reason. Ryanitis. I can see why. Yeah. Do you uh, Have you ever heard the story of Oscar Gamble taking the team bus in, in Cleveland to uh, to the Big A in Anaheim? When, what? Yeah, so when, uh, when, when the uh, – when Nolan would pitch out in Anaheim, they would put it up on the big marquee. You know, Nolan Ryan pitches today. And Oscar Gamble, this is, I heard this from Alan Ashby, teammates in, in Cleveland uh, years ago. And, and as the team bus rolled up and they saw the marquee, Oscar would go, oh, boy, we got Nolan today. Oh, for four and don't get hit in the head. It's a good day today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you brought up Alan Ashby. We were playing in the Astrodome and, Nolan was like shaking off like four pitches. And I kind of, I jumped out of the batter's box and called time. And then I like re, I re rethought myself and I looked back and asked me, I go, no, I don't want that time. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I rescind. I rescind. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean that. <laughs> what, what is it? This isn't college basketball where you, you only have a finite number of timeouts. You didn't. Nolan's, Nolan's probably the only guy. He and Dwight Gooden, at least in my era, where if a ball came near you, it made you rethink. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just that different. Like, I remember one time, just to, I don't know how it didn't hit me. And I remember thinking, you know, if that hit me, that breaks my ribs. Because it was just different. Yeah, well, speaking of getting hit, uh, I, I got to ask you about a thing that happened to your team was like a, a week and a half ago. Uh, Josh Naylor hits a walk-off homer. And because he's Josh Naylor, he goes pretty much bonkers, I guess is a good way to describe That's it. That's a so good word. That's a good on, word. Okay. On his way back to the dugout, he headbutts you. But you were obviously ready for him because you had a helmet on. So what the heck was going on there? Well, he had, you know, we had seen what happened in Chicago back about a month ago when he had those late heroics and he just went bananas. So it was funny because the helmet was laying on the ground as I was walking out to the field. So I just, for fun, put it on. I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad I had it on because he didn't even remember headbutting me. He told me later that night, his mom called him and said, you better go check on Tito because you whacked him. And he goes, no, I didn't. So one, I was kind of glad that he didn't do it on purpose because, you know, some guys sometimes maybe take advantage of, you know, Hey, we can hit the manager here and give a free shot. <laughs> he didn't even remember. I think he just kind of, like you said, he goes bonkers every once in a while. So just stay out of the way. But if you grab that helmet, 
you knew he was up to something, obviously. Oh, well, you don't know what he's going to be up to because he doesn't know what he's going to be up to. So, like I said, next time I'll probably just stay out of the way and say way to go later on. Good plan. Uh, Jason, I'm glad you brought that up. And Tito, I'm glad you clarified it because I saw that video. And when I saw it, it's like, oh, man, Tito, something's seriously wrong. I I just assumed you were wearing like the helmet and the dugout for the game, like you had something going on. (laughs) When when the game was over, I came in and – he had hit me hard. My glasses were like, like this. Chris and Cherney were sitting here. I looked like Max Packin, and you guys were old enough to know who that is. <laughs> the clown of baseball. Yeah. The clown yeah, prince exactly of baseball. That. And I looked just, I mean, I, so I had, I had to go to the, uh, the eye doctor the next day to get my glasses fixed. My neck hurt, but you know what? We won. So I'd, I'd do it again. <laughs> all right. All you kids out there, Google Max Packin. So you get the visual of this. It's funny yeah. I'm, I'm dating myself because our guys don't know who he is. <laughs> well, he was always showing up when you were playing. I know that. So I, here's another question for you. This is something everyone in the game messes up all the time. How many times this year have you called your team the Indians instead of the Guardians? Um, to, it, with the media, none. I'm real careful. Um, with talking to, like on the phone or to my buddies numerous times, you know what? I usually, I don't, I usually refer to the tribe because that's what I kind of always, and, and I've, I've done that a lot. So I've tried to just say Cleveland cause I don't want to get in a bad habit of doing that, but it's hard. It's hard for everybody. I, I can't tell you how many times me and Tom Hamilton have had to redo the, the radio <laughs> show before the game because he's called us the tribe or the Indians. <laughs> so are there fines with this? Is there a pool and how many times it's going to happen? <laughs> well, no, because if that was the case, there'd be a lot of people in trouble, but you know, <laughs> and I know that it, it's taken a while to, for fans or for a lot of fans to kind of wrap their arms around. And I get it. I just think kind of at the end of the day, I hope people understand that our organization was trying to do something really respectful. Right. And and that's a good thing. So whether you love the name or not, again, I think what's really important is Cleveland's on the front. And I just want people to remember, hey, just trying to be respectful. Not trying to not trying to do anything crazy. Just and I really think that's important. Yeah. Hey guys, hold on one sec. Can I yep. can you talk yep. for a sec? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Hey, go get yourself. I'm on a podcast. Go get yourself. I'll come get you. Congratulations. Oh, Alex call. We just called a kid up. Oh, <laughs> he's, that's nice. he's waiting outside my office. And I did, didn't want him standing there the whole time. Oh God. Now I really feel guilty. That would have been a good podcast. Let's, let's, <laughs> we, Terry, wait, yeah. well, welcomes a kid to the big leagues. That would be, we should have done it. That'd be well, better than we had Drew. We had Drew Carey's dogs on be better than that. <laughs> Uh, this kid's a good kid. This is a, he's excited, and he was traded nice. from the White Sox, and we're playing the White Sox. So I'm sure he's pretty jacked up. Nice. Yeah. What do you have a, a favorite call up story, or you know, you talked about the you know the All Star um, introductions, but but you know, do, do you have a you know kind of you know, a thing you do every time you call a guy up? They're all pretty fun. When I was a Double A manager in Birmingham, we we called uh, Mike Sorotka was a left hand pitcher. And he was going to go make a start from Birmingham to Chicago. At the time, Danny Evans was the assistant general manager. And he treated me really, really well. 
and he knew I was really nervous about this kid going to the major leagues. So back then he had this little, I don't know, pitch tracker. I don't know what they called it. And he let me put it in my back pocket. And when I was coaching third, I'd pull it out every once in a while just to see how I was doing because I was so nervous for him because, I mean, that's a big jump, especially back then. And they were a team that was competing for first place. I was beside myself. (laughs) How did he do? He did okay. You know what? And he ended up having a pretty good career. But, again, I just – I was so nervous for him that I just – I ended up making myself a mess. (laughs) Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Two different people told me that I needed to ask you about this. How are your barber's skills these days? Uh, ah. is, isn't it true you're now the personal stylist for your friend Mike Barnett? I, I'm wondering who, who ta- I'm wondering who gave you that information, first of all. Yeah, we're not saying that. Right. Not revealing any sources. You know, poor Barney. Barney bears the brunt of a lot of <laughs> things that probably are very immature. But we all get laughs about it, and he's so good-natured about it. I told him on the plane yesterday, because we had a really tough road trip, and I usually mess with him on the flights, and I said, Barney, we're past haircuts. I said, we need a human sacrifice, and I said, you're you're applying. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that sounded like pretty upbeat news. How do you react to that? He just laughs. He always laughs. The only time he doesn't laugh is when if I get too aggressive and I cut him and he starts bleeding. Like the other day, he was putting up a little bit of a fuss, in my opinion, being a baby. And he tried to knock my hand away, and I took like half his eyebrow, and his he was blood's coming down into his eye. It's like, but he's so good natured about it; he just kind of laughs it off, and everybody gets a chuckle out of it. All right, so just so people understand what the heck we're even talking about, you've you've got a pair of clippers. Is that the- yeah? They're called the peanut, and they have a little. They're a little peanut thing, and like you can just run it over your head real quick, and you're clean and good to go. All right, Jimmy and, and probably knows that, and and I, it's, it's battery operated. When 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 he hears that thing go on, his whole life, like he he is like so. Saw him two trips ago. He was trying to sleep on the plane, and he had one eye closed, and one was kind of like looking over at me, like what's he doing? But it's just you know the people. People that aren't in a baseball clubhouse probably don't understand it, but our closest friends, sometimes we just try to see how miserable we can make them. <laughs> all right, but, but all right, you, you have no hair. Jim Deshays has no hair. Right. Mike has hair. He, like, he, he wants to have hair. Am I right? Yeah, that's even more reason why I'd probably do it. He, <laughs> you know, I, I'll run it over my head and go, see, Barney, I'm not being a baby. Why are you being a baby? <laughs> and and the fact that he's so proud of that just makes it more <laughs> enticing. I, I'm sure it does. All right. Now, you, you also had some harsh words recently for those robot umps. Have you ever even met a robot ump? Like, what, what did a robot ump ever do to set you off? 
in spring training, we we had some. We we're trying to play some. We we're trying to ramp up this spring a little differently than ever before, or like in spring training 2.0 a couple of years ago with COVID. Yeah. So we we didn't always have umpires. So we would use the 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 computer. The ABS. And I remember thinking, boy, that computer would throw me out of a lot of games because <laughs> it just hasn't figured out yet, like the the the, the slow breaking ball. Like like Jim Deshays would throw the fastball, ride it up here, and then he'd spin that breaking ball, that slow one, and there'd never be a ball. So I just think, I mean, I I know that we all argue about balls and strikes, but when you look at the way balls and strikes are called, especially compared to maybe 30, 40 years ago, man, they're they're right around the plate, man. I mean, you don't see any egregious calls ever. I mean, you know, you're, we, we're complaining when a ball's this far off the plate. That's pretty good. Well, um, so if we went to the robots, who would you argue with about that stuff? You know, it's funny, on the same lines. <laughs> there was a, there was the time I got thrown out this year. I don't get thrown out very much anymore, but the one time I did, I told the umpires, I said, whoever's in New York, tell them they get credit for throwing me out because they stink. Because there was, they overruled one play, and I remember thinking I was frustrated. But you know, I mean, that's a whole another can of worms. Sometimes I swear that we see something, and then they don't overrule it, or they do, and it makes you scratch your head. <laughs> I always enjoy that when the call gets overruled from New York, but the umpires who throw you out of the game are the people that actually agree with you. And, and, and they've told me that before, which is you're right. It's a little. It's hard to yell at them because they don't have anything to do with it, but you got to yell at somebody. You turn around and just look up skyward and just start yelling. <laughs> yell to the heavens. What about, so what about, uh, so aside from the uh, ABS system and robo-umps, what about the other stuff that may be coming? Do you like or dislike uh, banning the shift, the bigger bases, things of that nature? I'm a little nervous about banning the shift. And the reason being, is I think it would be a quick fix for some offense, but I think the unintended consequences that will come into play as we go are not good for the game. And by that, I mean, you know, right now teams are shifting so much. You're encouraging teams like us to put the ball in play, hit the ball the other way, you know, to use the whole field. If you don't, if you're not allowed to shift, you're going to encourage every guy that swings up and tries to pull everything because they're going to get rewarded for that by hitting that ball through the hole. I just don't think that's good for the game. Yeah, this is a, it's all a work in progress. We'll keep you posted. Uh, You know, we do a lot of trivia on this show and I got a trivia question for you. Oh boy. What active manager has managed his current team the longest? Well, I I think somebody had it on the scoreboard. That's got to be me. It was on the scoreboard the other day. That's the only reason I know. <laughs> All right, so you definitely cheated on this, but you've been there ten years now, man. You know, uh, it, it goes fast. Yeah, it's, it, in a way, is Cleveland now a bigger part of your legacy as a manager in, in in some ways than Boston, even though you won two World Series with the Red Sox? I don't know, Jay. You know what? I don't even know what my. I don't care about my legacy. I I care about us winning tonight. Um, yeah. This has been a very special place for me. There's no getting around it. Um, I mean, 10 years, a long time. 
and you know, as beat up as I've gotten physically, I probably wouldn't be doing this anymore if I if I didn't care about the people here so much. It's kind of kept me going through some really hard times. So again, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do it, but this is a pretty special place. There's no getting around that for me. Well, you just touched on this, and we mentioned all your ailments earlier. If you're up to 40 surgeries, have you thought about how much longer you want to manage? Yeah, yeah, I've given it thought, which is new because, you know, I never used to really even think that. And I've, I've thought about it from time to time, like, hey, you know, because to do this job right, and I care about doing it right. One, I owe it to the organization. I owe it to the players. But then myself included, like, you don't want to shortchange anybody. But then, you know, the, the travels, things I used to laugh about, but I'd hear guys, you know, complain about the travel and I'd be like, what are you nuts? Well, now I'm starting to do it because it, it starts to beat you up a little bit. So there's going to come a time where I think maybe it's not the right thing for me to do, or it could come a time when a team feels that way. But, you know, regardless, I don't want to just manage myself into the ground. And then when I do leave baseball and not be able to enjoy myself. Yeah. It's, it's always a hard question to, to answer, but, um, but it's been my well, whole I, life. Would you, do, right. do you know, would you transition into a front office role at some point? Oh, I don't think I'm smart enough to do that. <laughs> I do think I would like to obviously stay in the game because I don't know anything else, nor do I really want to. Um, I just, I just, you know, trying to figure out when to pull the trigger, like, because the last thing I really ever want to do is step away and then be like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's no good. So I got some thinking to do, but again, I'm in a good place. I have good people I can talk to and that helps a ton. You know, it's hard to imagine the game without you. So I hope it's a long time. Um, Thank you. One more thing before I let you go, our friend Tim Kirkshin is going into the writer's wing of the Hall of Fame in a couple of weeks. I think I was the first to tell you that was happening, right? So do you have a favorite Tim Kirkshin story? Yeah, but I don't think I can – well, I can tell you this one. The first – when I joined ESPN, we went down and we were going to do the Braves. Remember how they used to do 30 teams in 30 days or something? Oh, yeah. And it was me and Tim Kirkshin and Dan <laughs> Schulman was there. And they put us up at this hotel – they called it a hotel – it was like a, it was camping world USA or something. And each little room was like a log cabin. And I thought they were pulling a joke on me because I was a new guy. I mean, my room had bunk beds and, and I called the operator for room service. And she's like, did you see the candy machine in the lobby? I'm like, yes, yeah. that's room service. And, and Tim, the next morning when we were sitting out there waiting for a ride and you've been around Tim, he started laughing. And when he started laughing, that laugh of his is so infectious. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought his name up. He showed me around. He didn't have to do that. Like, he was so, he was just so Tim. And, and <laughs> anybody that's been around him, like, I can see you smiling. It's hard not to like him. Like, you got to really try if you don't want to like him. He's He's one of the truly one of the sweethearts in the game. There's nobody, nobody who doesn't like Tim Kirkshin. The look on your face right now, the look on our faces right now, that's the look I get from everybody when we mention Timmy's name. That's, and, and that's not an accident. It's appropriate. 
And, and I will be so proud when they do, when they call his name along with about a million other people that, you know, have come across him because that's just how special he is. Yeah. Well, you're special yourself, my friend. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks to your teeth for fitting us into their busy schedule. <laughs> look, look forward to seeing you somewhere down the road. We can swap volleyball memories or whatever else. Hey, you guys, I enjoyed it. You guys take care, okay? All right, Tito, great buddy. to be with you. And hey, uh, congratulations to Alex. Thank you. Okay there, J.D., it is time for the part of this show I know you've been waiting for all day long. It is listener trivia, our way of involving our favorite listeners in this show. And uh, Doug and I get this wrong pretty much every week. We had Ken Rosenthal in here a few weeks ago. That didn't help. So now it is your turn to save the trivia day. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Okay. Bring it on. I actually think you're going to be our trivia MVP this week because guess what? We have actual Jim Deshays type trivia. <laughs> Who knew that was a thing? <laughs> and here to help is your friend and mine, Chris Kemka of NBC Sports Chicago. Chris, thanks for joining me and Jim Deshays. Oh, of course. Uh, I had to jump in this week. Yeah, you did. I, after we put out the weekly call for trivia, uh, our friend Chris Kempke innocently tweeted a question that was obviously <laughs> about Jim Deshays. Uh, uh, Jimmy never mentioned your name, so I replied, hmm, why would you ask that question? <laughs> Chris, what did you reply? Well, I had this question. Wait, we're not going to give the question yet. I just want you to <laughs> oh, well, tell him. You know, but it, it's just an innocent uh, little <laughs> trivia question. It has nothing to do with anything, I don't think. <laughs> just out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It had nothing to do with anything except the fact <laughs> that Jim DeChase is here. Uh, so for the record, you two do know each other. Isn't that correct? We do indeed. Yeah, I've had the, the uh, pleasure <clears throat> Of having worked some, <clears throat> oh, sorry, I had some. Um, I've had the pleasure of working some Cub games in the past with Jim. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. I've always enjoyed his work. Um, just, just a great broadcast, and I enjoy his work today on Marquee. It's just, um, I had to come to see one of my friends from the past. Yeah, we, you, and, you know, it, it's a uh, the. Uh, the throat clear there for a moment. I didn't think it was a legitimate throat clear. I thought it was like I had the pleasure, <clears throat> like <laughs> tongue in cheek pleasure. But yeah, we did. We worked together and broke bread together, as a matter of fact. Uh, but I bet you never saw Jim Deshays hit a whole lot, did you? Oh, a little bit. Um, somewhat. <laughs> <That's about> right. <laughs> okay. Well, that kind of sets us up for the trivia question. So uh, it's time for you to hit us with your question. And by us, I mean, obviously, Jim Deshays. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to – I'll chip in here so we, I, we can jointly get it wrong. Okay, here we go. Who has the most played appearances, uh, the second most played appearances in Major League history without ever recording an extra base hit? Who has the second most career plate appearances without recording an extra base hit? Just something you happen to think of <laughs> just sitting around the house on a Sunday morning. 
Saturday morning, whatever day it was. Um, all right, so we mentioned earlier in the show that the record for this sort of thing is held by Jim Deshays. So, uh, I, Jim, I actually remember that you and I were tracking this for a while, tracking guys who had a shot to break your record. I, for some reason, the name Barry Zito popped in my head, but I honestly, I don't have any idea if it was him. So it's your record. I'm thinking you should just know this stuff off the top of your head. Uh, Barry, I think, um, I don't, I'm intrigued by that answer because that, now that you say that, <laughs> it changes what I was thinking. <laughs> no, uh, first record. of all, we're, we're looking for a guy with that, like me, who had that rare combination of lack of power, lack of speed. Um, somebody that stuck around for a while and got enough ABs. The one guy who was in hot pursuit of me for a time was Frank Castillo. Yes. Um, but I don't know That's if right. somebody has surpassed Frank Castillo. Right. Um, we talked a lot interview. about Frank Castillo yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And I haven't, you know, I hadn't looked in a number of years, but um, when Frank was active, he was, he was closing in on me. Okay. So, um, and beyond that, I have no other – you brought up Zito, well, and that, I, I, that kind of rings well, too. I'm going to defer to you on this. It's probably a big mistake, but <laughs> let's let's do that. Chris, is there any chance that Jim has us right and the correct answer is Frank Castillo? I'll tell you this. Frank Castillo's third. Oh. <laughs> He's third oh, all time man. or third, third closest? All, third all time. They're all so there's, so, so there's somebody in between. There's JD a number one, there's Frank Estero number three, and there's a person in between. What was era? It, was it Zito? It was. It was. I should. This is what we get for listening to you. It's like the SATs. <laughs> you got to trust your first instinct. Well, I, I mean, look at this. For, for all the times you say that you're not good at answering these trivia questions. So we. we <laughs> You knocked out who's first. You gave the next two answers. I mean, that's got to be extra credit. Yourself short. Think about how think about how hard it is to know the three players in history with the most at bats and no extra base hits. We named all three, and we still got the question wrong. Well, think how hard that is. Could you imagine if you like were on a quiz show? <laughs> Like Jeopardy or one of these, you know, million dollar whatever. Oh, no. And that was a question like, who would know? Like you two guys might be the only people, <laughs> now me, we three may be the only people prior to the airing of this podcast that know that information. I, I, don't, I don't assume we can find a way to work Virgil Barnes into the conversation, do you think? He's four. Is he four? He's yeah, number he's four? four? Yeah. How, how close did how close did Barry Zito wind up coming? Okay, so it was actually pretty close. Um, four forty for Jim. All right, and then Barry Zito four eighteen. So you know, wow. a, a mild twenty two plate appearances to go. That's not bad. I even had a hint ready to go too, but didn't even need that. <laughs> so if the Giants had just given Barry Zito one more year on that crazy contract, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. What yep. a mistake by them. Yeah, or if somebody had gotten to Barry before he shut it down and said, before you walk away, you might want to pursue this. <laughs> yeah, because ha having made $140 million, <laughs> yeah. it was, he, there was one st thing still burning in his soul, yeah. breaking a record. 
<laughs> Something like that. Uh, anyway, Chris, lo- loved the question. Uh, sorry, we managed to get it wrong. Uh, I should mention everybody. Chris is a great follow on Twitter at at C Kamka K A M K A. It was great getting you back onto Starkville, man. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I don't even consider you getting the question wrong. I mean, you named Zito <laughs> and Jim named Frank. You got the top two. That's extra credit. That's getting it right with extra credit. <laughs> All right. We're, okay. We've now decided we got it right. I love it. <laughs> okay. We retroactively got the question uh, right. I'm Let's signing up for it. Professor K- Campus class every yeah, other semester. I, I like the way he grades. Exactly. Exactly right. All right. Well, Let's, we got. We actually have one more Jim Deshaies bonus question this week, so I just want the mayor, as he grades our answer on this one, to keep that in mind. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Here's our se- second bonus Jim Deshaies inspired question. Uh, see, we asked our listeners, um, as we always do, for trivia questions, and they really got in the spirit by asking Jim Deshaies related questions. Now, this second question was asked by David Branson, and uh, unfortunately he was not able to join us live, but I think we can still have some fun trying to answer it. So I will read the question, then we'll thrash it out. Here we go. Jim Deshaies once struck out eight batters through three innings, and then just over the weekend, Spencer Strider of the Braves became the ninth pitcher with nine Ks through three innings. So his question, who was the first pitcher to strike out nine hitters through three innings? Um, I, I think before we get into this, we should point out uh, David did not quite capture the essence of your record. He actually struck out the first eight batters of your game, which was against the Dodgers. And, uh, what did Tommy Lasorda then do, Jim? Tommy pinch hit for uh, <laughs> the starter was Dennis Powell, and he pinch hit a fellow by the name of Larry C. And I got him to a two-two count, and uh, I was pretty sure that if I threw a fastball shoulder high, I was going to get a swing and miss. And I just left it down a little bit, and he popped up to second base. But obviously, Tommy did not want you to strike out nine. Tommy had seen first. enough. Tommy was frustrated. The Dodgers <laughs> were, were supposed to win that year, and we were on our way to winning the, the NL West. He was not happy. The, the people in the Dome were hooting and hollering were all over Tommy. So, yeah, he he, he was he just he had seen enough. I don't. I kind of don't blame him. His guys were probably hung over. I'm not sure what, what was going on. All right. We, we don't care what was going on. Yeah. Be, besides, you didn't strike out nine hitters in three innings. That's the thing that we have to guess. Who was the first to do that? I'm going to guess Tom Seaver. It's so obvious it must be wrong. So, uh, Jim, do you have a guess on this one? Or, I, so, so here's the thing. Um, when I had the, the eight strikeouts, it was – deemed to be the modern major league record. The, you know, that's eight in a row. To though, start right? a game, right, to start yes. a game. Um, it's a little different the, record. Yes, the record, but the all-time record going into the Wayback Machine was held by the fellow by the name of uh, named, uh, Mickey Welch. You're probably familiar with the name. He might be a Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> he struck out the first nine batters of the game way back in, I think Mickey played in the late 18, early 1900s. So I don't know if he would be considered a candidate for this question because it happened so many years ago. 
But beyond him, then you, yeah, you go to the Seavers and the Gibsons and the Ryans. Why do we have to go beyond him? If <laughs> See, this is the beauty of having a person on who actually almost set a record because now he knows who actually did set the record that he did not set. That would be you. Right. So we're, we're totally going with Mickey Welch here because we went with your answer last time. That didn't work out. So we're going to do it again. Let's bring in the acting mayor of Starkville. It's our old friend, Cam Molina. Cam, we were going to guess Tom Seaver, but now we're, we're on to Mickey Welch as the first ever to strike out nine in three innings. Jay, it's awesome to be back here on Starkville. Really missed it. I thought you guys were going to need Chris's extra credit there for just a split second if you had selected Tom Seaver as your answer. You guys went with Mickey Welch. And I'm happy to report, August 28, 1884, Mickey Welch started the game by striking out nine consecutive batters. So your answer is correct. Great work. <laughs> how, how about that? Now, see, we ask Glanville questions every week about himself that he gets wrong. We give Jim Deshays two questions. He gets one of them right. Like, yeah. it's, it's time for jeopardy, man. I, I'll take Jim Deshays' extra base hits for 400. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Welch, I believe it was for the Giants against the Cleveland Spiders. The Spiders? I believe so, yeah. So it barely counts then. But that was yeah, that's why I something. Always, yeah, that's why I always considered when I had that record, I always considered mine legit because it was the Cleveland Spiders. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's the Dodgers so, and the Cleveland Spiders. Yeah, well, well, it's more impressive. We know the answer. Yeah. But whatever, whether we get the questions right or wrong. The best part of this segment doesn't actually involve us. It's the part where we bring in the mayor, in this case, Cam, the acting mayor, to play another great play-by-play clip involving this week's answer. So, Cam, I don't know what you have for us this week, but there's a really good chance it does not involve any Mickey Welch play-by-play. <laughs> yeah, YouTube, the archives don't span back that far. I wish that would be really <laughs> cool, but, you know, maybe Carrier Pigeons passed around the word about Mickey Welch's performance now, today's soundbite, I promise you, it is riveting, and it's not just some random pop-out. But there's a theme to it, an all-star game tied to it. 16 years to the day that we're recording this, July 11, 2006 at PNC Park, Barry Zito took to the mound for his third career all-star game appearance, pitching to Chase Utley in the bottom of the fifth inning. And Barry Zito. The left-hander takes over. Rogers, Halliday, Zito. So many good power arms left for Ozzie Guillen to come out of the bullpen. And Chase Utley is first up for the Phillies. One ball, two strikes. Utley is jammed. And he pops it up into shallow right. Out is the second baseman, Michael Young. And he's there for out number one. <laughs> Wasn't that a magical moment? <laughs> I thought he was going to hit a long drive to the wall. That was caught or something. But whatever. Joe Buck on the call. <laughs> Barry Zito inducing an all-star pop-up. You're welcome, America. Uh, look, we had two spectacular questions and a really fun segment. Jim, I think you learned trivia. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, – I, I thought it was clean. I thought that Chris Kampka came in, came in hard, and I think we nailed it. Despite your self-facing opinion of your trivia skills, I thought we nailed it. Okay, so we've now decided we got both of them right. Let's do that. Let's definitely go with that. 
And, and if, uh, if, if only Joe Buck knew back in 2006 what power arms really looked like. <laughs> Fast forward to 2022 when the whole world throws 100 miles per hour. I know, for sure. All right, that, that was fun. That was tremendous. Chris, great job, man. Thank you. Oh, well, yeah, thank you. And by the way, Mickey Welch had 121 extra base hits. Oh, <laughs> sure. Strange but true. All right, it's time for our Strange But True segment, where we get to laugh about the weirdest stuff that happened in baseball in the last week. We should really go down the Mickey Welch extra base hit um, portfolio, but <laughs> I, I think we're going to be more current than that. Uh, Jimmy, we, you're going to love this. Uh, we have a couple lined up. First one, first Strange But True feed of the week. Uh, this is from the Orioles-Rangers game last Tuesday in Baltimore. This was an all-time strange but true fiasco, okay? Along the way, the score was 4 to nothing, then 4 to 4, then 7 to 4, then 7 to 7, then 8 to 7, then 9 to 8, then 9 to 9. It, it might have gone on that way all night, except luckily for everybody, in extra innings, up stepped Cedric Mullins. In the left field from Mullins, that is going to get past Duggar. Everybody go home. One of the most ridiculous baseball games of the year. It belongs to the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> Kevin Brown on the call for Masson. And I, I can I can tell you now that as soon as he got off the air, he tweeted at me after that game <laughs> because he knew correctly that, that was my kind of game. So, but, but Jim, here's the strange but true part. The Orioles gave up game tying or go ahead home runs in the seventh inning and the eighth inning and the ninth inning of this game, and they won. You want to guess how many teams have ever done that in history? Uh, none. I'm guessing. None. None's a Maybe. fine guess. No. Okay. That, that did never happen because how the heck could it happen? Um, amazing. Uh, it was no, well, there was a little assist in the end from the zombie runners, but but the, the game-tying homer stuff, that was all on them. Uh, just curious, uh, what was the wackiest game that you were ever a part of or your team was ever a part of? You yeah, comes boy, to mind? that's, uh, that's, uh, that's probably 88 in the Dome, the 24-inning game oh, with the yeah. Dodgers, 24 or 26 or whatever. I don't even remember now. We played – it was over seven hours. And um, at the at the very top of the show, you mentioned about me pinch hitting, and, and I actually pinch hit in the game. That's you how – pinch hit in that game? I how pinch I hit that? in that game for Dave Smith. Um, Jeff Hamilton and the pitching third baseman and the pitching for the Dodgers in the game. Fernando Valenzuela ended up playing first base at some point in the game. Um, yeah, just a, a wild, crazy. And then we came back, and that was a Saturday night. And we came back the next day on Sunday and played thirteen innings. Um, so that, that that stands out. And then, of course, it's good the the uh, the, the eighty six playoffs with the Mets, the sixteen inning game. Uh, when we had the three nothing league going into the ninth, and the Mets tied, and we went back and forth, and that was one of the you know the greatest games of all time for sure. Um, um, but but uh, yeah, we, 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 I think we zipped through the most important part. How'd your pinch hitting appearance go? I struck out, as you might expect. No, I, I, you didn't uh, hit a bullet into the right field. No, corner? no. Um, 
And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the funny part of that story. So um, Mike Scott and I were sitting in the dugout watching this thing unfold. And at some point along the way, we like, let's go up to the clubhouse. So we go up and we go, we're going to have a rally beer. <laughs> we're going to drink a beer <laughs> and, and, and the Astros are going to, are going to, you know, win this game because of it. So, I mean, I felt like Babe Ruth are so old school, like having a beer at some point and then pinch hitting in the same game. It was like beer league softball. But I, I can honestly say that drinking that one beer did not impact my performance. The, the outcome would have been the same whether I had the rally beer or not. Yeah. How could we tell the difference? Yeah. And Dave Smith was rightfully just beside himself. Like he's pinch hitting for me. And it was only because I was left-handed and Smitty was right-handed. I just... That, that passed for um, analytics back in the day. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Especially at one in the morning, whatever yeah. the heck that was. Yeah, well, here's a starting uh, pitcher that does stand up there every now and then, and here's a bullpen guy that never does, so let's try this guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we, we got one more of these. It was such a nutty week. Let's go back to the 4th of July. This was a White Sox-Twins game, and then Byron Buxton did his thing. Uh, you, you need to listen to this. High fly, right center. Buxton chasing it. Making the catch at the wall. They've got a possible triple play. There's two. Now a throw to first will be a triple play. Byron Buxton catching it at the wall, and there will be three outs at the end of all this. (laughs) I think they tried to turn four outs. Yeah, they did. They (laughs) They threw the ball at first. Yeah, so it was Dick Bremer on the call. It was an eight to five triple play where Buxton made just an insane catch. Then the White Sox base runners just did the rest. They ran themselves into the other outs on the White Sox call. <laughs> Jason Benetti actually says, what's Moncada doing? <laughs> <laughs> like didn't miss a beat in the middle of all this. Uh, and even, even the twins couldn't answer that question because Gio Urshela, he records the second out. He records the third out. What did he do next? He threw the first to complete the quadruple play. But that he couldn't do that. <laughs> there are only two on. <laughs> yeah. At any rate, that was the first eight-five triple play ever turned, which seems impossible, right? Like, Jim, did you ever have a triple play recorded behind you? Well, I did. I went down into the uh, the, the Google machine uh, rabbit hole because <laughs> I, I recalled that there was one turned behind me, possibly even two, um, the, against the Dodgers. Uh, first and second situation, same situation. I believe shallow fly ball to right that the base runner thought was going to drop in. And I can't remember who the right fielder was, made the catch. Uh, maybe Mike Sims. But anyway, it turned that into a nine to five to six triple play, a more conventional triple play. <laughs> There's nothing conventional. Yeah. And I seem to remember, I, I seem but... to remember having one in Atlanta too, but I, I'm not sure. All right. Well, but, I, we're not going to research that one, but guess what? Yes. We did find this one. Don't you want to hear it again? Oh, I would love to hear it again. <laughs> Let's hear it. Alfredo with a foul down the right side. Sims moving over, and he'll make the catch. Tagging Sharperson to throw to third. They're going to get him by plenty. Nobody at second to go there. And a triple play. Hello. 
He is going to sky in foul territory. There's Sims. Good position. The big guy, strong arm. You can see why he's going to go to the outfield. There's the play. They double up Sharperson. Now Javier trying to go to second base, and there is Cedeno running him down, and they get him. Oh, How was that? How'd you enjoy that magic moment? That was beautiful. Do you, who are the voices? Do we know who the voices were in that? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the broadcast was. We'll have to get, yeah. we'll have to look into that and give them credit because we do that here. But anyway, yeah. that's on YouTube. You should see the look on Tommy Lasorda's face. You inflicted a lot of pain on that guy, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, no wonder he pinched it for the pitcher to annoy you. <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, he was not happy. There's uh, quite often. <laughs> He was not happy with how things were going. They, they did their, they won their fair share. I think that was '88, right? I think they ended up having a pretty good year, if I recall. That's how to win in the World Series. What, yeah, what yeah. was so good about it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I don't Tommy have the watched date. it down with a plate of linguine. He was fine. <laughs> exactly right. I think that's what we should do. That's what we should do to celebrate that we have just completed an entire Starkville episode. You and me didn't even need that Glanville. Started nailing trivia left and right. Had a, had a wonderful time. Don't you agree? This was brilliant. I, I do have to circle back for the one strange but true. It remains a highlight of my life, my career. And you'll remember it. The young Frankenstein's outfield. And oh, it, Maybe you don't remember it. I do. It's in the dome. It was like my first or second year as a broadcaster. <laughs> and Jack McKeon's managing the Reds. And he puts out an outfield. That it was Dimitri Young, Chris Stein, and Michael Frank. And I'm looking at it, I'm filling out my scorebook, and I'm thinking, Young, Frank, and Stein. Says, this is incredible. I said, I, I got to get a hold of Jason. And I think I, I think I got a hold of you before the game even started. If not, it was immediately after the game. But that's that's still one of the highlights of my broadcast yeah, career. That was good stuff. Like if, this is if, the if kind of stuff. To, if that were today, 50 people would have tweeted it before you could even dial the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Back in the day when you could get a scoop. <laughs> yeah, the young Frankenstein scoop from Woodward and Bernstein, otherwise known as Stark and Deshaies. <laughs> Something like that. Our, yeah. our Pulitzer is in the mail or not. Yeah, and the other thing was, I mean, you would like to think that Jack McKeon's like, I'm going to have some fun, but there's no way Jack McKeon knew he was putting the young Frankenstein outfield out there. There's you don't no think so? Chance. No. He, just think, he probably didn't even know who was in the lineup. The cigar smoke yeah. obscured the lineup card. He just... Yeah. Wrote down names whoever. pretty random. Let's go. Whoever. Whoever wants to play. <laughs> First nine guys that show up. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad. I'm certainly glad we got that in there. Jim, it was such a pleasure to have you here and uh, to share this last, I don't know how many minutes we, <laughs> we've been yucking it up, but it was an absolute pleasure. Please come back and do this again. We might just kick Glanville out and have you come back and do it every week. Yeah, I would be happy. You know, I could... You know, I could be like uh, Joan Rivers. I could be your, your, you know, sometime your guest host. There's, there's a reference. To the young, young, young ones. I have to look up. Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers used to fill Johnny in for Carson, Carson fill in. Yeah. yeah okay. Filling for Carson. All right. I, Take I that, be, Clanville. I can be Joan. We got, we got Joan Deshays here. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this. All season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety, absolutely free, everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read any of the fabulous writing in The Athletic, let me tell you how you can do that. If you go to theathletic.com slash baseball show and you're a new subscriber, you can subscribe 
for just $1 a month for the next six months. But also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show, we pick the most fun listener trivia question of the week. Then that listener gets to join us right here and prove. Once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So how would you submit a question? Well, you can email us at Starkville at theathletic.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter. You can find Doug Glanville at D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. You can find me at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. That's Jason with a Y-S-T. Please remember to hashtag those questions, hashtag Starkville QS. So, Thanks to Jim Deshays and Terry Francona for joining us. Thanks to the acting mayor of Starkville, Cameron Molina, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Tomorrow is Roundtable Day here on the Athletic Baseball Show. And next week, it's a little funky because of the All-Star Game and our crazy schedules. (laughs) But I promise you, Doug and I will see you soon on Starkville. Starkville.